So I don't know if there is a sporting event that I like better in theory than actually in practice than the Ryder Cup, because I love the whole concept of having this match play team golf, team USA versus team Europe. And I think it's even more prominent in years when it's in Europe, because not only does the US get blown out every time but the games happened in the middle of the night and i can't even watch it so uh and when when the u.s hosted two years ago we won in an even bigger blowout and i just think that it's an event that it, like it's really cool i just wish it was more accessible and more competitive yeah i i i agree with pretty much all those points uh i'll admit i'm not as into the Ryder cup like other golf fans but i will say that I do love that the players are into it, like really into it, where they're yeah, that's, really that's pumped um, uh-huh. over any big shots that happen. And I, I, I will say though, even though I love that, I, I wish that they had more emotion in other tournaments. If that makes right. sense, like, like individually, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not saying they got to get pumped over the American Express Open, <laughs> but I would like to see more emotion in big tournaments individual tournaments like majors Uh, i'm not saying they don't show any emotion but i I swear the Ryder cup shows more emotion the players show more emotion in that than anything well i think the crowd plays a big role because they're either feeding off the energy of the crowd or kind of going against them and you know whether it's it's on your home turf or you're going overseas so i I think that that's really a big part of it i mean we definitely see that right because it's kind of like a home home or home or away teams yeah exactly well everyone that shows up at other tournaments they're just just cheering on everybody yeah or just cheering on the golf clap concept so uh, that actually makes a lot of open you can see like some of that emotion coming out you know particularly that 17th hole with the fans right there just the golfers going crazy with them Ryder cup there are times it's not to that extent but you still feel like you get a lot of that uh, definitely saw a lot of clips from this weekend of you know guys like Sam Burns. I think even Patrick Cantley was going at it with the the European crowd. But Cant- Cantley, the 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 dude who shows no emotion, even had a little bit of it in, yeah, in the Ryder he was Cup. Awesome and he had that weekend. whole hat thing with yeah, right. Everyone he just wouldn't wear it. Would wave yeah. All the fans, all the fans, European fans would wave their caps, and then you know Patrick Cantley wouldn't even wear one mm-hmm. <laughs> during the tournament. And yeah, so, it didn't fit his head. <laughs> I, I guess that, that that's a lame ass reason. Uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of with I'm kind of with the European fans on that one actually. <laughs> yeah, I uh, thought it was weird that he wasn't wearing a, a hat the whole time. It feels like that's an easily fixable thing. Getting a just golfer get a bigger a hat. hat, adjust it. Yeah. Do what you got to uh, do. It, yeah, right. Just, I know. I, I don't know if it was truly a protest, but um, that was one thing I didn't realize is that the golfers don't get paid for participating in the Ryder Cup. You know, they make I didn't so know much that money either. Off this event, but yeah, the golfers I did, I don't get anything. So um, every other year is a President's Cup, which is Team USA versus, versus the, world. the rest of the world that's right. not Europe, and it seems like that's been a little more competitive. Uh, I don't know if that makes necessarily makes it a better tournament. I think the Ryder Cup is no, I, the, the Ryder Cup but... is way more interesting. Uh, I, I just think there are a lot more names involved when it's the Ryder True. Cup, when yeah. it's Team Europe and, instead of the rest of the world. Uh, when you just look at the rest of the world, like who are the biggest names in, in terms of like the non-European countries? Yeah, like I mean, Matsuyama. Hideki, yeah, Matsuyama is the first one that stands out because he won the Masters a couple years ago. I, I can't. I can't. Jason Day, when he was really good, he's not as good yeah, now. I mean, a, hand, a handful of Australians out there, a few guys Adam from Scott. Japan and Korea. Yeah, but 
but it's just it's just way more interesting when it's zero. There are there are just way more stars involved when it, when it's the Ryder Cup, and so yeah, I'll admit, like I didn't like you said the it's not as accessible, and like unless you want to stay up super early. I know when the Open is on, I like to I like turning on the TV in the morning and watching you know mid round tournament. It's well, cool, but so and I think the difference with the Open versus the Ryder Cup is the Open happens in July. When there's not, it's not competing with and, the NFL, let alone other sports, really, at that time. And, and that's also a great point because too. it happens in July, it's not like here, like they have a cutoff. You know, it has to be over before it gets dark. It gets darker way later in July than it does, you know, late September, early October. So I think that's also a factor that you just have have to start so early in the morning to get done with it early, earlier in the the afternoon U.S. time. So yeah, that's that's but, fair. Yeah, so Team Europe won. Um, that's another yeah, re- That's another thing is that <laughs> Europe was ahead by so much that yeah, right. That the, the U.S. US couldn't make even make comeback, some sort of comeback. Everything I know would have it, had it to, just made it slightly closer. That it would have it. had to have been like a twenty-eight to three kind of thing for for right. uh, for a comeback to actually happen. Freaking Scheffler and Brooks—they lost like nine and seven. <laughs> I think it's the worst <laughs> loss ever. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that was possible. <laughs> right. That's that's embarrassing. So, yeah, no, a tough showing on Friday for Team USA. Just it made it so, like, the rest of the weekend just wasn't all that interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, two years from now when it's in New York, the U.S. turns around and does the exact opposite to Europe because it feels like having that home field, home course advantage, we are going to call it, really makes a difference uh, with the fans aspect. So, but. And that's, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely watch a lot more when it's at more appropriate TV times, uh, especially, you know, when the USA is either, at least competitive. Um, yeah, the, so the combination actually, of it being in Europe and not being competitive, it just, it just no makes interest. me not want to yeah. tune in. <laughs> right, there's no reason to to want to do that. You know, on Saturday, it's like I got to get all my errands done in the morning so I can watch college football. Same thing with Sunday. Like, you don't want to be waking up extra early. Though Sunday, we did have the London game going on. Um, if you have ESPN you Plus, Toy, yeah, Toy Story version at all? <laughs> I, I did not see it. I saw I saw pictures of 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 it, uh, but I didn't actually watch it. I think it's a really interesting technology, at the very least. Um, it, you know, it's not for people our age. It's a way to get kids to. I still love Toy care. Story. I don't care. <laughs> no, I get it, but it, I, it's it's cool to watch. But it's like I, I like the concept. I like that the NFL is doing that with the whole slime time thing with Nickelodeon. Now Disney Plus kind of getting in on the the Toy Story from Andy's room. I would be really curious to see what else they could do with this. Um, just you I, know, having the technology to to be able to do Toy Story, you could probably run with it in a lot of different ways. I think that's the impressive part to me. I'll repeat this point again: that when they did the Nickelodeon game during the playoffs, I only watched it because it was the effing Bears versus the Saints <laughs> when they were really good. Yeah, and I just knew that would be a giant waste of time. And so you know what? I'll I'll watch it on on the Nickelodeon channel, and I I, I found it to be kind of neat, and I wouldn't mind watching it again. And again, non you know super competitive games or, or like jaguars it, it, falcons for this yeah, case. yeah yeah so. in this case yeah th- that's when i would w- watch it is when it's like not a huge playoff game or game of the week or sunday night football if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah i i completely agree with that like you know the christmas games <laughs> russell yeah, wilson yeah, and, yeah, and freaking uh, broncos rams, rams. Yeah, yeah i would i'd watch it on that channel too so yeah it's got to be a super non-important game or meaningless game 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I guess, you know, at, at this point, it, it's probably fair to kind of jump into like more NFL analysis from week four, which you I mean think when is our, kind of You mean when our teams are playing in, non, in, <laughs> in, yeah, right. in non-important, meaningless games? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a tough showing for both the Steelers and the Patriots. And, you know, we'll talk about the games individually, but there are a lot of things that are similar. I think at a high level, both teams went to Texas on Sunday. Both teams got destroyed. Steelers lost to the Texans 30-6. to Patriots lost to the Cowboys 38-3. to No offensive touchdowns. And I think the big takeaway is not even just looking at these games at the, the micro level, but looking further into the rest of the season and the future of these franchises. There's a lot of questions about, about both quarterbacks, the offenses in general, and I think all the way up to the coaching and beyond because there's just so much reason for fans to be frustrated at this point yeah just talking about it from a Patriots standpoint yeah that that was as low as it gets uh, in the post Brady era uh, when it comes to Mac Jones I've always found him to be like of course like not great like not not much of a playmaker not much of an arm and basically a jag just a guy and underwhelming but I've never thought he was trash and that game versus Dallas was the first time where I thought to myself wow Mac Jones really blows and (laughs) when it comes to Mac Jones the the one thing I I thought you could count on was his brain his smarts like not not making really dumb mistakes and he made some really costly mistakes in in that game I'm not saying he's been perfect uh, in the past with turnovers because he's definitely turned over the ball in, in the past of course but Nothing like that. Like he he no, made some really stupid yeah. uh, decisions in that game, and so I think it's fair to look at him and criticize him for his performance in this game. But I just I just I can't help. I, I know it's repeating myself over these f- first few weeks, but even though I look at Mac Jones as the you know the biggest uh, you know reason why they lost to Dallas. But as a as a whole, the season as a whole, I can't help but just look at how Bill uh, Belichick constructed this roster it very just very poorly. And I know when we did the AFC East preview, we talked about like, hey, you know, the Patriots they they don't have zero chance of making the playoffs, even though their chances aren't great. But I feel like everything had to be perfect for them to real have a real shot this year with other teams in the division not living up to expectations and staying healthy and the offense making a big jump and just none of those things or I mean not all those things but most of those things aren't really going their way right now and and guys are already getting injured like Judon's yeah, already like, Judon and Judon, Christian Gonzalez only the two best players on the team <laughs> yep, yeah they're, they're both uh-huh. gonna be out Matthew Judon might not even come back this year and so that game could not have gone worse uh just just all around on both sides of the ball when it comes to especially offensively I, I'm just gonna keep repeating this that they just don't do not have enough talent or depth offensively and it's just it starts with the line too like their offensive line I can't believe that their the tackle positions specifically but really the their entire O-line blows right now and when your entire O-line is not doing a good job the quarterback is gonna panic and He's gonna be forced to make really bad decisions like he did on Sunday, and and not only that, but the receivers can't even get open either. Even if the protection was great, the receivers 
don't create a lot of separation and I'm 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 pretty low on the Patriots <laughs> this year, but I think I think I'm being proven right so far because I wasn't high on them entering the yeah, year. Yeah, you know, and I think that's like the one. Well, let's say you have a couple things going for you. Um, one was you came into the season with low expectations and not trying to hype yourself out, uh, be optimistic, saying, "Okay, maybe there's a chance," but I just don't think it's very high. And then you also had 20 years of brilliance right before it that you can kind of like you're not far removed from that championship success and I get it it's starting to catch up to that point from a Steelers perspective I came into the season with clearly way too high expectations that all the off-season additions were great that the offense was going to be better and it's somehow taken a step backward and I think the frustrating thing and we can talk about it from both levels is that it goes all the way up to the coaching at this point now. And it's dumb to say Matt Canada should be fired because literally everyone that has ever watched a game of football can come to that conclusion. Yet somehow the Steelers continue to employ him. And it's all, it's the point where it's just like, okay, Mike Tomlin is going to go down with the ship. And I don't understand why he's continuing to do that. I don't understand why the Steelers are sticking to the Steelers way and these 50 year old philosophies that, okay, they worked when the steel mill industry was still a thing in Pittsburgh, but that's <laughs> long gone at this point. They just refusing to adapt. And I, I'm like beginning to be and, checked and, out four games into the season thinking yeah. that there's no hope and the Patriots are in the same similar spot where Belichick I, I feel like the game has just passed him by and he keeps keeps doing it his own way of addressing the defense and not addressing the offense really whatsoever outside of a couple guys and, and those couple guys aren't even really doing much and yeah they're just way too much focus on defense and not enough on offense and not a lot of depth or talent on the team and it's costing them right now yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of factors that are going against Mac Jones. You can still say that as much as it's kind of starting to be clear that he's not the guy, Patriots haven't done enough to give him a real opportunity. And you can still at least convince yourself that maybe with better options, oh, he can be great. So, like, yeah, if he was in San Francisco, the 49ers drafted him third overall. And Brock of Purdy, I, I, love, I love Brock Purdy, but if Brock Purdy were on a – if you switch spots, I guarantee you Brock Purdy would be a mess and Mac Jones would look half decent. Right. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy probably would have been cut just like Bailey Zappi was in the offseason, just you know, given the, the whole situation that's going on there. Uh, I think from the Steelers' perspective... That might be like, taking too much credit away from Brock Purdy because he has... Yeah, no, I, I think Brock Purdy but, has been very good this year, but I think he's he's benefited from a great situation with a great offensive-minded coach, yeah, who, and, and they, I, they've assembled everything right around him where all he has to do is be good enough. And I, if, and if I, he's great, they can win a Super Bowl. If he's good enough, they're going to continue to be a very competitive team, and like their ceiling, like good enough to win every single week up until the middle of February. Right. And I think Mac Jones could do the same thing in San Francisco. I think Kenny Pickett could do that in San Francisco, but there's no way to really know because you haven't seen him play in a competent NFL offense. Like that's the one thing. It's like that's why I just want Canada gone to start to get more clarity about this whole situation. It just doesn't feel like you can judge anything as long as he's still there. Both quarterbacks. In terms of Pickett and and Mac Jones, they're both they're not great, but they've shown they've had their moments. But at the same time, they're like you just said, there's not enough clarity on what their projection is in the NFL. Uh, like right, you don't know their form. full ceiling. Uh, 
they, you don't know what their full ceiling is if you don't surround them with the best talent or just be, best offensive game planning. Yeah, right. Uh, just like you know, above an elementary level play calling, like the structure. It just, I, it's just so frustrating right now and it's just like I don't know what the future direction is and it's the point where you want to say well okay the Patriots could be maybe better without Bill Belichick the Steelers could maybe be better without Mike Tomlin but it's one of those things that it it feels crazy to still be having those conversations week four of the season that we're already kind of looking ahead like is this this team just they're well past their prime and there's no way they can turn things around anytime soon yeah I I don't see I mean, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm holding slight hope for the Patriots because, look, they they have they're one in three, and the one team that they beat was the, the the Jets, who are obviously not great under Zach Wilson. And their next two games are against the Saints and the Raiders, and both those teams are very middling teams of their own. And hey, maybe the, look, their three losses are against the the um, uh, Eagles, the Eagles, Dolphins, yeah. and Cowboys. All three, three of the top five much, teams in the league, probably. Exactly. All three teams are much better than them. Say what you want about the Cowboys. Uh, they'll eventually choke in January, but but they're way more talented than the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, they might be the best defense in the league. At they're the playing like least. it right now. I don't yeah. know if I believe believe they are, but they are playing like the best defense. Yeah. But granted, I, they, no, they, I, they've, they've destroyed, <laughs> the team that they've destroyed are the Giants, Jets, and Patriots. So I, uh-huh. I don't know how much stock to put into that but they are playing like the best defense right now. Yeah, so I mean, but again, you're, you're also kind of grouping yourselves with those teams, and it's like, okay, maybe they can win these next two games and go 3-3, three and three, but at what point are they going to be able to compete with the the real top dogs? And I, I just, I, I look, it's just the negative part of me, but I, I that, that Patriots-Cowboys game, I don't look at the Cowboys like, wow, what, a, what an impressive performance by the Dallas. Like, no, I just look at the freaking Patriots and say, wow, they're a mess right now, especially on offense. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's fair to say. I, I I mean, I don't want to take all the credit away from the the Cowboys in terms of what they've been able to do. Like they certainly still have flaws. No, they but... they they went after the Patriots' weakness really well because the second Gonzalez was not on the field, freaking CD Lamb attacked Miles Bryant who blows. Yep. <laughs> can't can't, yeah. can't if he can't cover <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie, he can't cover CD Lamb, and then and yeah, touchdown. Yeah, and it, which led to which right, which led to a touchdown, and so, <laughs> so the yeah. Cowboys, well, then the Cowboys did a great job of attacking Patriots' weaknesses. Not that they have many yeah, strengths. <laughs> I know. I mean, the the strip sack touchdown, you know, for Van Der Esch, but then also even just the extra point try. Uh, just, you know, the Patriots tried to get right going for two. The, the, play. Fake, yeah. the fake extra point. Yeah, just taking advantage of the the special teams design. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not a not a loss you want to write home about there. Um, I mean, I think the the one thing with the Steelers lost to the Texans. I think the Texans are actually a kind of decent team here. Like Which they're I looking like they're a good football <laughs> team. Yeah, and it's like to the point where it's not like oh they're kind of frisky. They can you know compete with some teams. It's the AFC South feels pretty wide open right now, and CJ Stroud doesn't look like just a good quarterback for a rookie. He looks like a good quarterback in the NFL. Twelve hundred passing yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's he's an elite company. It's like Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Breeze. Like those are the only quarterbacks who have done uh, three hundred yards per game through I four saw that games, stat. no interceptions. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just. And it's when I look at the the Steelers right now, I think there's a lot of blame that's kind of be thrown out on the defense, and I think that. The defense was disappointing in this one. The Texans were starting 
four backup offensive linemen, the Steelers couldn't register a sack. And the pass rush wasn't really able to get going, but any opportunity, anytime they did, the Texans had a counter for it, whether it was Stroud just being using his mobility to get out of the pocket, screen passes. Like the, the Texans' offense was so much further ahead from like a coaching standpoint than the Steelers were, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And that's the frustrating thing is you're getting it's frustrating coached because- by D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick when you're Mike Tomlin has been a coach for 17 years in this league. Yeah, and the Steelers arguably have better weapons on offense. <laughs> they should, yeah. I mean, they should at least just but not utilizing. Look- I mean, having Deontay Johnson out, it definitely takes a hit. But still, between George Pickens, you know, Calvin Austin has looked like he's really good. Najee Harris was the best player in the Steelers this game. The first and, time and, you could say that all and, year, and he blows now after his rookie season. He's done. He has done not done a lot. I don't know if that has to do with his foot injury or. If that's I still think, lingering or if he's just really not that great. No. I mean, in the second half, he was running, you know, busting off several, like, 15-yard runs. He actually leads the league in 15-yard runs this year, which wow. is, like, kind of it's an amazing stat to say. Yeah. Well, normally he's through. running into the back of the offensive line, but when he has room to run, he's able to actually, you know, get to that next level somewhat. But, it's, uh, no, I mean, it's been very frustrating as a whole just watching this offense, and it's another thing just another player that's like you don't necessarily know what you truly have here because you have a coordinator that doesn't know how to use any of these guys to the best of their abilities and I think when it comes to the defense I don't necessarily care that they had a bad game in this performance in the grand scheme of things because the Steelers over Matt Canada's tenure so going back to 2021 and Walter Sharp or Warren Sharp has so many stats on this just constantly attacking Canada as much as he can when the Steelers allow less than 22 points 22.4 points is the average that an NFL team scores in a game when the Steelers give up less than 22 points 16 3 and 1 more than 22 1 15 that's all it comes down to if the defense is you know six sacks four turnovers keeps the other team out of the end zone they win the game and if they don't play well then they lose the game the offense is just a non-factor and that's just the frustrating thing how you can continue to employ this guy when he's scored 30 points in a game twice in two plus seasons zero 400 yard games you know the Patriots have had plenty of times where the offense does look great I know it can look frustrating even with Patricia last year like there are moments where the the offense looked like it was able to do something you know mostly yeah, Bailey when, Zappi, Bailey, but... when Bailey Zappi was under center uh, he looked great against Detroit and Cleveland yeah <laughs> when... and it, it's Right, and it's I'm not, say, I'm not saying that, that's that's what should happen because I know I know Mac Jones got benched for Zappy, uh-huh. but I'm sure that was really just to give yeah, Mac I mean, Jones a breather because right. it was it was it was it was kind of like that Week Four game versus Kansas City. I'm not saying oh the Patriots are going to turn around and become Super Bowl champions <laughs> like they did when they, after uh, that blowout loss versus Kansas City in Week Four uh-huh. in 2014. I'm not saying that, but. Who knows? Maybe with all after a loss like that, and everyone writing them off, maybe they can turn things around to an extent, just a little yeah. bit. No, and I, I mean, I, I still think that the Patriots will find a way to win some games. I, I, I think the Steelers will, too. I don't think either of them are all of a sudden going to start tanking for Caleb Williams. You know, if it's a new quarterback next year, it's going to be, you know, Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford. You know, maybe take a shot on Justin Fields, depending on how that situation in Chicago goes. It, it's not going to be, you know, stumbling into a top three pick. So, and I, I think that's also a frustrating part. Now, the Steelers going to week five. 
it's a lose-lose scenario. You either lose to the Ravens at home and maybe you get Matt Canada fired going into the bye week or you win somehow and Matt Canada keeps his job the rest of the season. And I, I think he's going to continue to be because, again, the Steelers are stuck in their old ways, won't fire a coach midseason because that was what yeah. Dan Rooney they're, they're, they're subscribed stubborn. to 50 years ago. Yeah, right. And it, it, Tomlin fits perfectly in that mode. I think he's one of, if not the most stubborn coaches in the NFL. Belichick might be the only one who's above him. So, and it, it's just very frustrating that, you know, these guys won't adapt to the new ways. And now our teams are just left in this middle ground. It's like best case scenario. You somehow stumble into the 17 playoff field and get blown out in the wild card round. You know, and it's, it's not great to say. And the worst case scenario is you have a, you know, the 13th overall pick. So. Yeah, and the Patriots have a projected top 10 pick right now, which I'm sure they'll just trade out of the first round and just take another guard out of <laughs> Chattanooga, six-year six year guard. Ugh, that was such a horrible pick. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw he, he – I mean, he's dealt with injuries as well, which is another part of the bad but offensive that's a perfect, line there. That's a perfect example of of just trying to you know outsmart, outsmart the, other yeah. te- the other teams. Right. Look at the Cowboys. They've taken like, – look at the talent that they have in their team, like Parsons, like CeeDee Lamb. Well, my point is, is that I feel like Dallas, one thing that they do a good job of, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, is drafting. And -hmm. I feel like they just keep it simple where like, hey, let's take, I don't know, the most talented person on the board right now. And even if it's not the biggest position of need, but the Patriots, they got a bill like he has to outsmart everybody and pick guys that nobody was even on their radar. <laughs> right. For, and oh, it works rounds. out with like a guy like Kyle Duggar. And then he just thinks, right. Oh, it's going to work every year. But then, but then he takes guys like Cole strange or, uh, Taekwon Thornton when he was supposed, right. supposed to go for another multiple two or three rounds. And it can go on and on of, of guys that they shouldn't have taken. Jordan yeah. Richards. <laughs> <laughs> See, the frustrating thing right now is, you know, everyone says they have one of the best draft classes, you know, after the draft happens and none of the guys can see the field, even when they're playing well. You know, Project Jones, it took the third round pick, Dan Moore, who's like one of the worst offensive linemen in the league to get injured. Joey Porter Jr. has been great in small sample size, while Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace get burnt by the team's number one receiver week after week. Darnell Washington, just a freak, and he can't even see the field. Like, it's just, it's, I don't understand, like, why these to guys are To be fair, Darnell Washington wasn't much of a pass catcher. No, Jordan but Jr. why not help us like a run sixth offensive lineman, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, if Steelers can't run the ball, why not give him a shot out there? I just, I don't understand why this team is just not adapting and it's just getting to the point where fans are just going to start checking out and I, I I do hope that you know somehow the Steelers are able to move past this from the offensive coordinator perspective in a perfect world I'd love to have Tomlin continue as head coach with a great young offensive mind who's able to help him out but it feels like the only way the Steelers are going to move on is just completely cleaning house when it comes to the coaching staff yeah, and I don't I- know if that's going to lead to Better, worse results because who knows who they'll end up getting replaced with. So and the Patriots just got a different offensive coordinator. Well, they got a offensive coordinator since they didn't have yeah. one last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but and also that, not really that, a different one that has brought an old guy back. Exactly. They, they. It's not like they found a Mike McDaniel or Sean McVay lookalike. They they just brought a guy that knows the system and will just do right. what Bill says, which is just frustrating. And I want them to clean house. <laughs> I I want. I want the I want Bill gone, and I want I'd probably yeah I would want a new quarterback, but at the same time I would like to see what Mac Jones 
looks like in a I better feel, offense with better weapons, but maybe yeah. you can even have time and maybe I feel the same way I, about at, Kenny at, Pickett and at also some the point, same doubts. Even if Bill even if they clean house and the coaching staff. I mean, Mac Jones will probably still leave anyway. And, and not that, that mm. I'm going to cry over that because I don't think he's great, but at the same yeah, time, I, you're, ju- you're just wasting his uh, his time here. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think like a lot of lot of players are going to waste. I mean, look at TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick in their prime. Like They're just being wasted with no offense. Uh, Cam Jude, Heward, the and, twilight and of Judon his career. And with the yeah. Patriots. I, 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 right. I genuinely believe he likes playing here, but... Every time he tries to recruit somebody, he fails at all of them. <laughs> like, oh, come to come uh, to New England, come to New England, and none of them do. And no, they don't want to play for for Belichick and go through all the hell just to win maybe ten games. The, you know? the point of playing for the Patriots when Brady was here is that, like, yeah, you're going to take less money and it's not going to be fun in terms of uh, how you're coached and the grind. But at the end of the day, you have a very great chance of winning a Super Bowl, which was kind of the point. But now you got to put up with the crap and you're not winning. <laughs> what, what's the point uh-huh. of that? So right. that's why no one comes here now outside of yeah. Juju and his bad knee. <laughs> I know it's, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to, to recruit guys like that. And I, I do wonder which of these owners is going to make a move first. I feel like it's going to be Kraft. I think he's someone yeah. who, you know, he'd be more willing to move on from Belichick than Rooney would be to move on from Tomlin. But you, you know what's really frustrating, and maybe this has something to do with Kraft too, not just Belichick. But when so the year after Brady won the Super Bowl with Tampa, the Patriots went on this huge spending spree, right? Yeah. And they they didn't they they weren't great, but they were a playoff team. They improved, and they looked like they were heading in the right direction. But ever since that one year, they haven't really spent. They're still cheap they they're one of the lowest spending teams in the league still and it's frustrating because they probably think like oh well john o smith didn't work uh well speaking of john smith he he has more receiving <laughs> yards than anybody on the patriots which is pathetic but anyway okay so they they were wrong on john o smith they were wrong on nelson Aguilar. so it's like oh well look spending all that money wasn't right like no it was right you just didn't hit the right players right you should keep doing that but try to Hit, hit on the right guys and not guys like Janu or Nelson Aguilar. And- no, and the, the thing is, a lot of those signings were also kind of predictable. It's like you just throw in like a ton of the money two, just yeah. for the I sake remember, of throwing I remember out when money. They, I remember when it happened. I was like, "Well, I hate these signings. Uh, like, they're, that's way too much money for those guys." But then part of me was like, "At least they're actually trying something." So I had mm-hmm. to be happy about it a little bit. Uh, and Hunt and Hunter Henry's been all right. He, he, not great. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been a solid tight end. Yeah. He can rely on him in the red zone. He'll he'll catch passes and do some stuff. Exactly. So. And so, look, that's not look again, not great, but that's an example of a contract. I don't want to say paying off, but but he's been he's been all right. And I just think the Patriots should have done should do should work like that each year. I'm not saying they got to spend through the nose all the time, but they should. Yeah, they I mean, it shouldn't be a the one of the lowest cash spending teams in the league when they are just so desperate for talent. Yeah, spend to the cap and don't be afraid to give out big contracts, you know, with longer terms on them. Don't feel like you got to go, you know, bargain Just because it didn't work with for some the players that one year, does, that doesn't right. mean you should stop doing it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I totally get it. You know, Steelers do spend money in free agency. For the longest time, they didn't. They've at least got away from that philosophy. That's the only hope I have of them continuing to, you know, make some kind of organizational changes. But it is, uh, you know, one of those things where you want to see the, the team's 
actually adopt with the new way. And, uh, you know, both of our teams feel like they have just light years to go. Our our teams are stuck in the past. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. And look, there's there's a lot of, like, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who aren't fans of either of them who are just frustrated hearing us talk like this. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, this is great, but now your teams are probably doing better and they're way more innovative. And there's a lot of reasons to be, feel optimistic about, you know, certain positions and coaches and stuff and, it's just hard to have that optimism going forward. So yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy being able to have some some banners that I can hang in my room, but they're collecting dust, and you know, I'd love to replace them with new ones. <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> so um, anyway, I guess that's probably enough on our teams for now. Um, I'm sure that we're gonna have some positive things to say throughout the rest of the season but probably more negative um you know even with the wins we'll still find ways to to come oh, back great. And... yeah like, i guarantee next week oh oh great you won but you beat right the, you beat a, a quarterback who can't <laughs> you know throw more than like 150 yards with a bum shoulder <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, but but just uh-huh. that's how I feel. Like, oh, great, you won, but look at the other team. That's how I'll I'll look at the Patriots when they win. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, I guess speaking of bad offenses, <laughs> let's uh, oh yeah, let's talk about the let's talk about New York. You know, those those are two teams that you know they have it you know, maybe just as bad, maybe even worse. And um, we're going to do factor fiction style for this episode. And the first one, factor fiction, Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in New York. I know he absolutely sucked yesterday, but I'm still going to go fiction. I still think Zach Wilson is still the worst quarterback in New York. Now, with that being said, though, after two plus seasons, I've never thought uh, I would see a good game as I. I genuinely thought he had a <laughs> very solid game. I know he had that typical turnover that he has, where he just dr- fumbled the ball and gave it to Kansas City. But I thought he made some actual throws <laughs> in this game. He did, where, cause, yeah. Because I remember watching that Patriots Jets game and thinking, "God, this guy is so gutless. He's like a gutless moron who won't even attempt to try to." create an offense and make throws but he actually did do that in versus the Chiefs in this game and gave the Jets a uh, a real shot of winning that game and they definitely got hosed by the refs where Kansas City really benefited from a couple calls when they were on offense and so and and you know what you know what the most impressive thing about Zach Wilson in that game was he took what? blame true because <laughs> because he, he was like it was man that was on me <laughs> man and and it's like wow he's taking accountability because I remember that game versus the Patriots last season. He's like, did you you feel like you let the defense out? No, no, no. Even though you only scored three points and the only touchdown in that game was a punt return. He's like, no, I didn't let those guys down. So that, so I think it's actually, easier to take accountability when, as a quarterback when you actually played well and weren't the reason why right. your team lost. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. The other way around, yeah. But, yeah, he finally looked like a half-decent quarterback. But I'm still going to go fiction, and I will still say – Zach Wilson's the worst and Daniel Jones isn't just because there's a much, much larger sample size of Zach Wilson not being good and th- compared to Daniel Jones. Now, with that being said, I don't think Daniel Jones is great, though, and I think that contract was just dumb. But <laughs> at the same time, I kind of look at it similar to the Patriots, just a diff- just a quarterback with a different first name, and that 
uh, Daniel Jones has no one to throw to, and he's got no O line, and the only th- yeah eleven sacks. The only, th- the only yeah eleven sacks. That's a joke. <laughs> I, I know the Seahawks. I I know I'm high on the Seahawks, but that's not a that's not a pass rush that should get eleven sacks on any no. team. No, <laughs> no, I I agree with that. And and so I I kind of felt bad for Daniel Jones in that game, and again brutal contract. Shouldn't have given them that money, but at the same time, no O line, no one to throw to. And the best option is a running back who's not even out there right now. And yeah, I, yeah, the, the Giants aren't in a good spot right now. But I'm still gonna go fiction because Zach Wilson. I even though he had a great game, much larger sample size of him not playing well. Yeah, I'm. I'm also gonna say fiction, but I had to think about it a lot more than I expected to because <laughs> you know just coming off this week, Daniel Jones, like yes, he's in a bad situation, bad offensive line, bad receivers. Uh, he still didn't play well. He's he's kind of like a an okay quarterback who last year was the ceiling, and then he gets paid this contract. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I said last year was last year was the Giants' ceiling. <laughs> what uh, they did last year was as good as it's as it's going to get for the Giants. And, yeah, the, I felt like it was kind of predictable that the Giants were going to take a step back this year. And, yeah, even though Daniel Jones, he's got athletic ability. And if you he does, with yeah. a little bit more help on that team, he looked he looked solid, not great, but solid last season. Uh, the big difference is he has way more speed than Mac Jones, but it's kind of similar, just not enough help around him. But at the same time, how confident can you be in him if he's – also very turnover prone and making right. dumb mistakes too. I know. I mean that pick six was really bad. You know, Devin Witherspoon looks like a great, great cornerback. You know, you could see why he was a fifth overall pick. But um yeah, no, I, I certainly have concerns about Daniel Jones, but I also I'm not fully convinced on Zach Wilson. It's like I said, it's one game. He played great in a big spot against the defending Super Bowl champions. You had Taylor Swift and Blake Lively and Wolverine in the crowd. And, you know, <laughs> it was a big moment, and I was very impressed. Don't forget Van Wilder. They... <laughs> right, yeah. No, it was, it, was a big, uh, it was a big moment for him to step up in, and I, I do think he played really well, but it's also like we're saying, oh, this is the best game of his career. 245 passing yards, you know, 6.3 yeah, well, yards per attempt. See, he's it's so not, bad that yeah, that kind like of performance is like, wow, Zach Wilson looks great right? like for his for the, his standards. Yeah, 20 points on, and, you know, 18 on offense with a safety. Like, you know, it, it, it was a good performance for him, but I need to see way more. Wow, and, way, yeah, way, <laughs> way, way more than that. Yep. So, but I mean, regardless, you know, neither of these teams are in great spots. And I, I almost feel like, you know, the Jets have to feel better the, about themselves. It's like, well, we could see Zach Wilson did okay. Our defense was able to hold, you know, the Chiefs to 23 points. The Giants just 24 to 3. You know, I, I like the Seahawks in that game. They didn't even play that well. And they were able to make it just completely non-competitive. Oh, have they even scored? Uh, take out the that half versus the Cardinals, the second half. Like, how many points do they have? <laughs> they scored no, zero they versus, versus Dallas. They have not scored in the first half. Right, they haven't the scored like, a first half point, and I th- I think it's I don't I don't have the Niners score uh, in front of 12 me. Twelve points. It's twelve points. So they scored yeah. fifteen point points in the other three games combined. Yeah. Zero, yeah, 12, I mean, and three. So, yeah. wow. Yeah, I don't remember. And, and the then zero in the first half versus had, the Cardinals. So, if you take out right, the second half. I think half, they kicked a field goal in the, at least in the first half against the Niners. But yeah, no touchdowns in the first so, half. So, if you take out that, that second half versus the Cardinals, they have a total of 15 points in seven halves of football. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Jets aren't that bad. 
Like they, they've at least been able to to score something here and there. God, that's so. bad. That's bad. Yep. Yep. All right. Fact or fiction, after blowing out the Dolphins, the Bills are the best team in the AFC. Yeah, so the the, the true New York team here, uh, Josh Allen, certainly not in the running for worst quarterback in the state. Uh, the past three weeks, after looking terrible in week one, he's arguably the MVP of the league at this point. Um, I thought the Bills were going to beat the Dolphins this week. I thought I Miami too. was due for some type of regression. I didn't necessarily think they'd go from winning by 50 to losing by 28, but... Uh, definitely an impressive win for the Bills, and I don't know if they're just me being stubborn, but I'm going to say fiction. I'm not fully bought in on the Bills um, at this point being the best in the AFC. I think you know things are looking better for them right now than I thought. Um, I'm going to call my shot and say they lose to the Jaguars, though, in London. Jacksonville's been out there for a week, and I think that you know Allen is going to have a little more struggles, maybe not as bad as it was against the Jets, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a you know come-down moment there. Chiefs haven't looked great, but I'm still kind of inclined to believe that when it comes down to it, I, I trust Patrick Mahomes and what he's been able to accomplish in the playoffs more than Josh Allen and what the Bills have been able to accomplish. It's one of those where maybe right now in the moment, you know, we saw the Bills beat Kansas City in week six last year, and then they never got a chance to do again because they crumbled in the playoffs like they seem to do quite often. So I'm going to hold off and say fiction at this point, but I, I definitely understand a lot of the love that they're getting. So when it comes to Buffalo, even though I didn't say it on air and I had way more reasons to be down on Buffalo entering the season, they were my pick out of the AFC to to make the Super Bowl. And it's not really because of how great they are. They are great, obviously, but it's also just because when I look at the AFC, there are a lot of good teams, but when it comes to the best teams in the AFC, I, I... I, I can't help but look at the the we- so you mentioned the Chiefs right mm-hmm. I can't help but look at their receiving core after Kelsey I get that yeah. and I just think at some point that's going to definitely catch up to them especially if they don't add another receiver and uh, you know as great as Kelsey is and he's certainly uh you know in headlines for other reasons besides football right now and is living the dream I don't know 34 years old at tight end position and. He's a he's they need by more. far their best. Yeah, he's by far their yeah. best option on offense. It's like at some point he's going to slow down or get injured, and I just mm-hmm. think that the weapons around Mahomes is just not good enough. And then, and then we'll talk about the Bengals <laughs> later, but they're they're not, <laughs> they're not looking great right now. And um, the Dolphins, they're definitely much better. And I th- well, I thought they'd be great offensively. It's just that when it comes to Tua, I just can't trust him to stay healthy. And so yeah, which I I get. So that, I know. guess what I'm trying to say is. When I look at the rest of the AFC, even though as many as good teams as there are, I looked at the holes on their team uh, more negatively than the Bills' holes on their team. Even though Buffalo, like you said, will probably make the playoffs and then just find a way to lose like they did versus Kansas City and Cincinnati the past couple seasons. But they were my pick out of the AFC, and uh, I'll admit it's definitely recency bias after that game, but I will say fact. I do think they're the best team in the AFC right now. And Josh Allen, like you said, even though he was brutal in that game versus the Jets, he'll have he'll have that game where he'll look stupid and have, have forced too many turnovers. But there are more. There are definitely more games of him being brilliant as well. And yeah, which I think is totally fair to say. I do think the turnovers, like it feels like those are also going to do him in. But it's also I, I get it. You look around the rest of the AFC and say, well. A lot of the teams you thought were going to be really good maybe haven't looked as good as the Bills have. And the one team that was looking at their level, they just beat by 28 points. So Yeah, 
and and then defensively, I mean defensively, even though Miami has this fast, fast offense, and they 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 had their way a little bit in the first half with with uh-huh. with uh how do you pronounce this? Is it? I know it's it's not yeah, it's Devon like, Devon. I thought it was Achan. Achan, right? that's it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Achan, even though he still had a couple of touchdowns, uh, their their offense definitely got shut down in the second half, and. I don't know. They have good players on their defense with with Hyde, and unfortunately, Tre'Davious White got hurt. And which I think that's going to which I think will be a loss. I will. I agree. Mm -hmm. So hope maybe they can get another corner. I don't know, but Matt Milano and and they have they have Von Miller should be coming back. Von Miller should be coming back. Yeah, they they still have really good pieces on their defense uh, if they're healthy, and even though they just lost one of their best corners. And then offensively, they put up so many points. Diggs is just the man, one of the best route runners in the league. And I like to think Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid can be a little bit more involved in the passing game. And I think James Cook is out to a really solid start too. Finally scored a touchdown. Yeah, I know. Needing needing a running back to step up like he has, I think, is has helped this team oh, it's because huge it feels like them. they've been running back away for a while. Because because. As amazing as Josh Allen is, he can't run the ball all the time. Especially he he's kind of like Cam Newton in terms of his, you know, in terms of his ability running the football, where he takes lots of hits. And yep. the Bills have never really had a great running back with Singletary or whoever else has been in their backfield. And so I think James Cook getting off to a good start is definitely huge for them because they need uh, more production in the running game and just uh, you know quick screen passes as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do like Buffalo. I I do think they're the best team in the AFC. So I will go fact, but I don't blame you for going fiction though, or anyone yeah, else. Yeah, um, you know, I I think Miami getting better on defense is going to be pretty key to them being able to you know keep that up and, and pass I, them. I, so. I, look, even though Miami had one bad game, especially on defense, I still think they're definitely a playoff team. Even yeah, I do too. One bad game, their offense is so fast that, that right. sh- their offense should carry them to the playoffs yeah and i think the question there is will their offense continue to remain fast if they're playing in you know colder weather but i think that uh their schedule is very favorable they're not really going to have to play games too far north late in the season so Mm -hmm. um all right so next one let's shift over to the nfc factor fiction the buccaneers are the team to beat in the nfc south this answer might surprise you but i am going to go fact because right. when it came to the Bucks entering this year, it's like, okay, I like a lot of pieces on their team, but the most important position on the team is something <laughs> that I think w- was going to hold them back. And and so far that hasn't. I think Baker's looked really solid to start the year. And because of that, be- because he's been good, the rest of the team has been too. And um, because Baker's definitely been much better than I thought, uh, the Bucks look like they're right now the best team in the NFC South, and so I'll say fact for that. But just looking at the other two teams, well, <laughs> I know the three teams Ignoring are the Panthers. The Panthers. Blow. <laughs> they, they, they were they were going to finish last no matter what. But when I look at the other two teams, like New Orleans, I, I'm I, I'm just, I'm going to apologize to you, Corey, for giving you a hard time with that question <laughs> because because I thought Derek Carr would would at least make them a little bit better. Which is why I said, yeah, he can elevate them offensively because he's better than Jameis. Or I love Taysom, but I mean, I would take Derek Carr as a passer over Taysom. Yeah, and then Andy Dalton. And then Andy, freaking Andy Dalton. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and so I thought by default he'd make them a little bit better, but my God, he's been so bad to start out. And he's got yeah. and he got hurt. Right, and, which hasn't helped. 
and to the point where it it it, it hurts him so much that Alvin Kamara can only get thirty yards on 30, thirteen catches. Yeah, so I actually heard that stat. So the the previous record low for thirteen was 70, catches, seventy one. Yeah. How is that Half possible? Of that. <laughs> I have no idea. It's just insane. You know, that's one of those where like you hope you play in a PPR league in fantasy. Uh, I really I like I like Derek Carr. He's a nice guy. Uh he's been a solid throughout his career, but at times he can be ballless. <laughs> yeah, no, he, <laughs> just just the checkdown king uh, at times and It is amazing to me how, you know, he's been able to kind of get by with this reputation and of his that he's been able to assemble for pretty mediocre play for the most part. And I I've bought into it too. Like, you know, there are times where I've I've seen him and think, "Oh, he's actually the real deal." Yeah, and I bought you know, into it too, I, more than you. <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> but of late, yeah, I I don't know, the past couple of seasons after that after that year where they made the playoffs, uh, it's just been downhill since. Yeah. And so I'm also going to say fact about the Bucks being the team to yeah. beat. And I'm not totally surprised that you said them. To me, Like I like the Falcons coming into the season. I like the talent they added. I thought they could overcome the quarterback situation. And I also didn't fully believe in Baker. <laughs> Through four games, Baker has proven, okay, the Bucks have a ton of talent. And he's a better quarterback than the other two teams in this division. Yeah, so. as of right now. I mean... But Ritter blows. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's, if, if he is can, really bad. If, if they can put in Heineke, I'll I'll lean it. I would probably lean Atlanta because I think Heineke was solid at times with Washington. But God, Ritter that, does well, nothing. The, that's a key phrase there. At times, I, I I like the idea of Ritter and Heineke being good enough, going back and forth to you know be better than those other two teams. Um, Baker, I don't know. Can, can he keep it up? Four games is also a small sample size, but I almost feel like Atlanta needs to think bigger and go and, you know, if Kirk Cousins becomes available, I think Kirk Cousins, if he were to go to Atlanta, that would put the Falcons in a much better position than they are right now with uh, those two quarterbacks. But right now, I mean, I, I have no reason to, to doubt Baker Mayfield. This is a team that <laughs> was competing for Super Bowls and, you know, he they have a quarterback that can help him win them. Um, you know, I shouldn't say that. They have a quarterback that can play well enough to, you know, boost the roster of talent that was able to have that success not too long ago. Yeah, I'll admit, I, I, I focused a little bit too much on maybe what happened last year because they had Tom Brady and they went 8-9. and nine. And just think, if they're mm-hmm. going from Tom Brady to Baker, who, even though, granted, Tom Brady was in his 40s and mid-40s and like was not great uh i just thought okay if they're going from him to baker they're probably going to take a step bigger step back and so but baker i get it he's look he's looked pretty good so far well i I think the my the the best rebuttal to that would be that you know what brady was doing last year wasn't all that great you know he wasn't turning the ball over but he wasn't getting the offense going baker has a much just, lower floor than last year's brady he just was not into it last year just not committed to football anymore no point no so that's why it's like well if baker can come out and be like this aggressive just you know playing like he he did in at oklahoma in the beginning of his browns career then yeah i can see him having success with mike evans and chris godwin and some of the other you know talent rashad white on that offense so yeah but I am going fact. They, they, look, the record, I know it's okay, they're 3-1, and one, and the other two teams are 2-2, two and two, so it's easy to say, yeah, they're the favorite or they're the mm-hmm. team to beat in the division, but they have looked the best. Because even when, even when New Orleans and Atlanta were both 2-0, and oh, I've said that, okay, they're 2-0, and oh, but they haven't <laughs> looked good in those games, uh-huh. especially New Orleans. They beat, right. they beat, yeah, they beat Tennessee, Tennessee by Carolina. one, and they beat Carolina uh-huh. by three. Like Those are two teams that 
aren't that great. Although Tennessee, maybe, maybe yeah, actually speaking of them, <laughs> right? Uh, speaking of them, uh, they just played the Bengals this past Sunday, and they look great. But the story is not Tennessee. The story is Cincinnati, and is it officially time uh, panic time for the Cincinnati Bengals after four yeah, weeks? Yeah. I'm going to say fact here. I think it is officially panic time for this Bengals team. I think, you know, for me, I thought they were going to lose to the Browns. I thought they were going to come out slow in Cleveland, you know, whatever, the whole history there. But then I thought they'd rebound against Baltimore, and they didn't. You know, they they didn't do that. And then I thought they would continue to struggle against the Rams because they wouldn't play Burrow. But, you know, he went out and played and did well enough. But it was really just the defense stepped up. And now this week against Tennessee, it's like, all right, well, they're, they're going to get back on track. And they just their offense continues to look terrible right now. And either it's some combination of Joe Burrow is injured, Joe Burrow is not playing well. And because of that, the Bengals offense is not able to play like they have in the past. Their defense has moments at times that they can still be really good, but they've also kind of taken, taken a step back. Tennessee was able to run all over them. You know, Ryan Tannehill made some big throws in this one. And I, I definitely have doubts on this team because you're either left in a situation where you throw out Joe Burrow, who's a shell of himself, or you sit him and hope that, you know, Jake Browning or A.J. McCarron can win you football games. I think it's very much time to panic in Cincinnati. Yeah, so if you asked me this question after week one, I would have said no. I would have expected the slow start, especially since they're never great at Cleveland. And then, and that was in bad weather, I think. Yeah, and, it was. And then I would have expected a bounce back as well in week two, even though the Ravens are a better team, like at home, more more motivation to get back on track, but they lost that game. And even after that, I still would have said no. It's not time to panic. No, they went zero and two last even, year. Yeah, so and they went okay. oh, right, right, and they went zero and two last year, and they turned things around. We're still one of the best teams in the AFC. But after this game, I'm going. I'm with you. I, I I'm going fact as well. I think it is time to panic a little bit, or definitely panic big time uh, on the Bengals right now. They, everyone is saying, okay, the the calf injury, the calf injury. How's Burrow feeling right now? I, I I'm not going to deny it's part of it. It's, it's got to be, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Them losing by that much to Tennessee, a team that they're definitely better than, I don't think it's just the calf. I, I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they're they're not getting they're not getting it done offensively. Jamar Chase doesn't have a touchdown yet, and he he didn't do anything in the first two games, and he caught a ton of passes. So he awesome. they got, yeah, right. got back on track in week catches. three versus the Rams, but but it was just fine and this game but i don't know if it's because burrow can't get him open i think if i think jamar chase can get open i don't he's always open he's always open like he says he's he's always always fucking open as he put it but right i mean is is it something with burrow like not just the injury but maybe he's just off to a slow start because i think i think offenses in general but maybe especially the Bengals, uh most evidently that if they're if they're not getting the reps in training camp right then they're not it's not going to look great on the field so i'm going to say i'm going to say that's the biggest reason like not just the calf injury but maybe just not enough reps in the off season partially because of the the calf injury i don't yeah, think i, I don't think gonna... joe burrow is someone like um someone who just got the money and is just going to mail in and not give a shit anymore no i, think I don't jo- think so either. joe burrow is yeah. too cool or too uh-huh. too much of a winner to to do that where i don't think he's that kind of guy where he's just going to pack it in just because he got the the money. No, I I agree with that as well. At the same time, 
he's he's Daniel Jones right now. He got paid a lot of money and hasn't been able to lead his team and to Derek a first Carr. half touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the the Bengals' offense has not looked great this year. Uh, their one first half touchdown was a punt return touchdown against the Ravens. Um, that was their know, first. Multiple... T- that was their first touchdown, right, of the season. Yeah, it was their first touchdown of the season, and the only touchdown they scored in the first half of the season. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, you're right. They are the Giants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's really bad with, with things that look like in Cincinnati. And I don't think that you should completely give up on this team, no, but it's I, one of those things where panic. they almost have to – Yeah, they have to panic, and I feel like they have to sit Joe Burrow and hope to win games without him, and then if he comes back healthy, then they can be in a good spot. But if they sit him and you know they lose to Arizona next week and Seattle the week after, like if you know that Seahawks defense had 11 sacks against the Giants, if they're able to pummel Joe Burrow in week six, then these things are going to kind of go off the rails pretty quickly for this team. Yeah. So, so I – I, I I agree with you uh, that it's it's a fact that they should it's not over for Cincinnati but I I would start pressing the panic button now on that yeah and I I think it's also getting to the point where people are really starting to see through Zach Taylor and questioning him and, yeah, and his too. abilities so it's clear that the the quarterback is the bigger which you could say about most teams Whoa. but but Zach Taylor was doing he didn't had he had no uh, he had no success at all before Joe Burrow. Right. No, and I, I think my, my concern here is that Zach Ter- Taylor is continuing to try to throw out Joe Burrow and use him being injured as an excuse to basically, you know, continue to, to keep that To deflect the blame. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, take it off him and, and how the offense is looking and saying it's all because of an injured quarterback. But then he's also saying that he's healthy to still be out there. And it's just, it's a really weird situation. It's one of those things where if this was a competent organization, they wouldn't allow him to continue to see but the But they're field. the Bengals. And yeah, right. And that's where it kind of comes down to, okay, Joe Burrow, like he's going to do his thing, but it's also like it's the Bengals. Are they going to find a way to ruin this? So, Yeah. They just got ha- they just got handed Burrow and Chase. It's not like they – I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not – Yeah, they, no, they you're right. They, they lost their way. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I know. I mean, th- those were the comments that were being thrown out by Buffalo, where it's like we'd love to lose enough games to get a top five pick and get a player like that. But you know, <laughs> we win games, and you know that's it's it's a reality of how things work in this business. I think so. they should sit Burrow. I, I do. I do too. Yeah, I I think him being healthy long term is better than whatever they're trying to do right now. I don't know how even long. If, even if it leads to a lost season, yeah. That too, yeah. Even, even if it leads to a lost you don't want him to really injure himself. You don't want him to be right. like Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers, he had a calf injury in the offseason, and then that led to a torn Achilles. Granted, that was probably more because of the field that they played on and the way he turned on that play. But who knows? Maybe you could say it's because, uh, because of how the offseason went with having that injury that led to a mm-hmm. poor serious yeah injury. i mean not I not every calf injury turns into a torn achilles but it's definitely something that does happen and can happen in yeah. certain situations yeah. so yeah no definitely reasons for concern so um and we have one more bonus here which i don't know like i couldn't really come up with a great way for the without it being just a wordy factor fiction but it feels like a relevant question for the two of us to, to discuss and potentially debate um, who made a worse fourth quarter coaching decision on Sunday, Ron Rivera or Brandon Saley? I mean, come on, you already know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I can't stand Brandon Staley at this point. It was so I I thought for sure the Raiders were going to win that game 
the way that was turning out. I, I, I just said to myself, all right, the Raiders are going to score a touchdown here. They're going to, yeah, be in one possession. It's going to be one possession game. The Chargers are going to get the ball back, but they're going to go for it on fourth down on their own side of the field. And once that happened, I'm like, here we go. I know the script. The Raiders are going to tie the game. They're going to go overtime. <laughs> they're going to win the game. But that other that other half of that didn't happen. But even still, it was the same thing. It's like the same the thing again where they yeah. went for it on fourth down in their own territory, deep in their own territory, and and failed. And they were lucky that they were facing a backup quarterback because who knows? if Maybe if it was a quarterback that was not playing his first career game, maybe they would have. Maybe if Jimmy were in there, maybe he would have taken care, uh, taken advantage of the situation, and and there'd be more heat on Staley, but but no, and yeah, he gets I, bailed out again. Gets bailed out just like that, just like that Browns game. That was probably way worse <laughs> because they were yeah. they were only up they were up by two in that game. Uh-huh. Oh no, they're putting him in field goal range. Yeah, and all t- that all the Browns kick all the Browns needed to do was just make a field goal. So that one was way yeah. worse, but he was still like. Just punt it away, dude. <laughs> like, just, just, it's okay. I, look, I like when teams are aggressive, but just don't, don't shoot yourselves in the foot every single so, time. And, uh, I, and I don't know. Just if you're the Eagles and you have the their O line and their quarterback with how gigantic he is, and and you can do the tush push, then it makes all the sense to go for it if you're them. But, but when you have a quarterback, oh, granted, he's, 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 he's. You know he's got a lot of physique as well, but bad hand, and right? Not and that's great to of an me O-line. is the issue, the injury. I mean, when he was doing kneel downs at the end of the game, he, he was had, doing he had a lot to step of back like three yards. Yeah, right. So that so tells you he wasn't you, healthy, like, even though it wasn't his throwing hand. Still, uh-huh. you're going for a sneak with a bad hand. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't able to to do it under center. To me, my bigger issue is the play call than the actual decision, just because it's like like you said, you That's know, fair. put your team in a position to at least be able to pick this up, and like you can't run that play with that injured quarterback you have. Uh, I'm gonna say Ron Rivera because I think you know the worst case scenario in the Staley situation was that you know in theory the Raiders score and it goes to overtime. You know, maybe the Chargers have enough time to to at least go down the field. The Commanders were a nine-point underdog on the road, scoring at the end of regulation. Like, that is a situation that is go-for-two ridden all over it. And maybe it doesn't work and you end up losing anyway. But the the double down for me here is the fact that Rivera's reason for not going for it was his offense was gassed after the long drive. So, first of all, the Eagles' defense wasn't also gassed for the same reasons. And second of all, <laughs> you're going to then say, you know what helps a gas offense playing more football and going into overtime? <laughs> the reasoning just makes no sense to me. And, you know, this is why, like, it's one of those comments where this is why I said Ron Rivera would be the first head coach fired this season. And it's just a situation. How many times are you going to get a chance to beat the Eagles in that situation again? You win that game. You're tied 3-1. and one, You have the head-to-head tiebreaker. I think you go a long way. Now you're just left with a... Well, you know, we put up a good fight. We looked better than we did against Buffalo the week before, but we still lost to the Eagles. Now we're 500, and we have a short week uh, before facing the Bears and a must-win game for this team. So it just feels like a, a situation that Commanders really blew something. Staley's Brandon Staley's going to Brandon Staley. He's going to do this every time, and it worked out for him. Maybe that's part of the the reasoning as well with Aiden O'Connell throwing that interception on first and goal. But. Right? Okay. I I won't argue it too much. I I guess just when 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 teams do that, go for two to win the game. Uh, we've we've seen it with the Chargers over the 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 Chiefs that one time where Mike Williams went off and 
he was wide open and, and it works. It's just it's just one of those things where if, if you do it and it works, you look like a genius. And but if you do it and it doesn't work out, it's like, oh, why didn't we just go to overtime? Maybe we won the Yeah, no, I I totally get it. I think it's one of those situations where it's a lot more justifiable in Washington's case, just given the situation. You know, going into that spot as a huge underdog, it's one of those, okay, we get a fifty fifty shot right here versus hoping for a coin flip to go the right way and then hoping for you know, a sustained drive and a stop kind of thing. So, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is one of the situations where, like, if they go for it and it just doesn't work out, and it's like, well, yeah, we could have gone to overtime here. At least, you know, they go into overtime in that spot. But it is one of those situations where the guy's called Riverboat Ron. Why is he not gambling in this situation, <laughs> you know? It's like, what happened to him? That's why you're not the coach in Carolina. That's why you're on the hot seat in Washington. So... I like that That'll, question. Uh, even though we, even though I knew what the uh, answers would be, you yeah, knew right. what the well, answers that was would why, be. Right. We needed one that we were definitely going to be on opposite sides of the coin. So, yeah. which, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, that'll do it for NFL Week Four. Uh, we're certainly be talking a lot about football moving forward, but um, I think there there are other sports worth talking about. We're going to get into baseball with the playoffs, but I think first let's start off with the NBA few weeks before the season starts you know we'll have a a bigger preview coming up but let's talk about big trades um affecting the eastern conference affecting our celtics and the first move damian Lillard to milwaukee bucks all that drama you know all the you know the trade requests of miami three months of it and all of a sudden it just ends with him in milwaukee um which i was shocked by i did not I, know that was a possibility yeah i First of all, it sucks for the Celtics when that when that happened because Milwaukee is a team I take seriously. Oh, for in sure. The East and I think Giannis and Damian Lillard. That, in my opinion, that is the best duo in the NBA right now. Because on paper, on yes. paper, because Giannis yeah. makes such an impact on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively, in the paint. While Damian Lillard is a stone cold killer and is one of the best offensive players in the entire league. Yes, you can question his defense, but dude can make shots all over the court. Can, 32 yeah, points, two points per game last season. He's a great distributor of the ball. So the combination of both those two with their demeanor and how they handle how they handle you know, you know, winning winning situations. Granted like Lillard to a lesser extent cuz he's never been in He's been in one West Finals and he hasn't even won a game in the West mm-hmm. Finals. But I don't know, just the combination of those two together, with how how skilled they are, both ends of the floor, and and along with how they their demeanor. Oh man, I I, I love that duo. I mean, I hate yeah, it at the no, same I... time, but <laughs> we have to deal with that. But, but right, the combination of those two, I think, is a is a deadly combination. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the two of them should be awesome together. And then you throw in Chris Middleton as your number three, Brooke Lopez, Lopez you know, both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that looks like they can be really, really good this year. And it's one of those moves that it's like good for... Uh, was it John Horace, the GM of the Bucks? Like he hears Giannis say, "I only want to stay here as long as you win." I, I, Go out I, and get Damian Lillard. Great I love move. how the Bucks are handling it because they know they're not. A big market team. They're in Milwaukee, right. but uh-huh. they have a guy, and they got to make the run last as long as he as they can, and just f the future. <laughs> we'll give you all these <laughs> uh, draft pick, draft picks, and draft pick swaps, and we'll give you 
whoever it is, uh, we gotta we gotta make this championship run long last as long as you can. So right. I love yeah. I love how Milwaukee has handled it, even if it doesn't work out. I I, I think I what agree. they did was the absolutely the right move uh, to get a point guard that as good as as great as he is offensively and is motivated to win a championship. Um, and 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 setting up him up with Giannis is no question the right move. Right. Yeah. And it, Phoenix helped out. I think being able to them moving on from DeAndre Ayton, which like the Suns, you know, giving Damian Lillard to Milwaukee, it seemingly hurts their final chances. But at the same time, I think the Suns turning DeAndre Ayton into Yusuf Nurkic and Grayson Allen, and I think they got one other DeAndre player. Ayton, just, just just not living up to his potential definitely a soft no. player and i, yes. I think I, I don't know if addition by subtraction is you know what no it, it is feels like, it, it feels yeah, like it, it is yeah. i think the suns are better out of it. this yeah right milwaukee is probably better as well but i think the suns got better so i understand them wanting to participate in portland things worked out really well for them because you get these picks um you get deandre in who like i think in, a, in this situation i'd still like to see what he can do um, Tumani Camera is just like a young player. I think it was a first round pick that yeah, they're, they're hoping they can they're, turn. They're into not something. getting anywhere. They're not going anywhere, but they got a lot of no. Picks they have and, and decent players back. And right, they gave Scoot a, Henderson. And they gave yeah, a, he's got to be part of it. Yep, Scoot Henderson. So that that's definitely yeah. Shannon Sharp. You know what I like? I like I love that they gave the biggest giant middle finger to Miami. Miami. Pat Riley. Yes, I, I, agree. I love, that that, That's my favorite piece. thing about all yes. of it. Yep, that, I agree. That's why I'm okay with him going to Milwaukee. Is like fuck Miami that he didn't end up going to them for nothing. So, yeah, I I love it uh, from that aspect. That even if Portland, yes, they're losing their star player for, from all these years, and the return isn't amazing by any means. Of course, I think it's they not did well be, though. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they did pretty well just given what was out there. Right, and then turning Drew Holiday into more picks, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, who in theory they could continue to move, just keep going through this whole process. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love how that worked out. And as much as it's like, oh, it sucks the Celtics didn't get, you know, the Milwaukee got Damian Lillard, Celtics getting Drew Holiday, I mean, I think that it's going to be a battle between these two teams. I don't know that I'm fully convinced the Celtics are better than Milwaukee, but I mean, I'm convinced I, I don't they're think that by far totally the better. top two teams. That yes, that is for sure. That, Whether they're, it's they're, 1A, 1B, barring, 1-2, barring, I don't know. Barring major injuries, they're by far and away the two best teams in the East. I would have said Miami, but, I mean, like, Miami has, hasn't done enough, and I know they, no, they for whatever reason, they keep hanging around, but I just think they They spent they're, their they're whole f- offseason focused on getting Damian Lillard, and, and they and, didn't and get not him. Even, and, and then they, him. Right, and then they couldn't get Drew Holiday either, and instead the two teams that are the other top two in the conference end up better yeah, in, what could, by getting what could, those two players. What could be better than one giant middle finger? I don't know. Two giant middle fingers. Right. right. Oh, I know. I love it. Cause you don't, you I don't get Lillard. Portland you don't get holiday either. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I love the holiday move for the Celtics. Uh, I know I, we first talked about it. Like it, okay. Yeah. It kind of sucks losing Robert Williams, but he, he couldn't stay healthy. No, like he's it, such inconsistent. You couldn't rely on him. Holiday is like picture perfect health, and I think he's a great fit. I think he's better than Marcus Smart, and see, that's basically who he's replacing. I mean, you don't need to tell me if I think he's better than Marcus. <laughs> I, I, I'm as the biggest uh-huh. Marcus Smart hater of all Celtics fans. Like, yeah, and, and I love Drew Holiday. So yeah, same. I am all. I was about a huge the, fan of him in New Orleans. Like, love, he seems like a genuinely great person, and then also just a great basketball player. He's perfect for the Celtics yep. uh, on and off. 
off the court. Yeah, genuinely good dude. He he's tough. He's a great great. You need needed a ball handler after Tatum, especially if Tatum's wrist is an issue. You need someone to take that pressure off Tatum offensively when it comes to being yeah. the you know you know being the the point guard or the right. I mean, the, the, guy, the really guy that handles the ball. Guard. And so he, yeah. he he. he he can handle that role. He knows his role, unlike Marcus Smart, where Marcus Smart thinks right. he's the king and and <laughs> uh-huh. is the leader of the team because he's the longest tenured guy. We know that Drew is Drew fine being the number his three. Role. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, he's I, the number three in in Milwaukee. He might even be the four with Porzingis now too, which right. is just crazy to think about. Oh, uh, so. and I love 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 that backcourt defensively with him yep, and Derek with White. Derek White. Oh, it's uh-huh. a perfect perfect fit. And then yeah, defensively, one of the best defenders in the league, and. I, I I just the Celtics yes look as much of a big Marcus Smart hater I am I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not gonna completely ignore what he brought to the Celtics he definitely no you're right a lot of heart and hustle yeah a lot and, yeah. of heart and hustle um good on the defensive end of the floor I think it, it, Drew Holiday brings all of that but but more on the offensive end of the floor and less BS <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> Drew Holiday knows his role and. And uh-huh. we'll do whatever it takes to win. And now he has the motivation because his team, the the other team in the Bucks, gave up or gave him away and uh, traded him. And now he has motivation too. So all yeah, that. No, I, I, I agree. I lo- it's love, a perfect situation right now. I love yeah. these moves. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to root for the Celtics team this year. Oh, I, can't I think, wait. you know, the, I was kind of checked out by the end of the playoffs and just how things were going with this team. But I'm, I'm excited to see what this team can do. And um, yeah, I mean, I was. I was intrigued by the three-man rotation possibility with, you know, Williams joining Al Horford and Christos Porzingis. Now, it is kind of a question of what's going to happen with the, the front court here. Just signed Wenyan Gabriel and brought back Blake Griffin to join Namius Keita and um, some someone else. Oh, Lou Cornette, you know, oh, like yeah. the, you know, the, the murder Cornette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's hoping for like, you know, one of these guys to, you know, prove that they can be relied on come playoff time. And I, I like it. Just, the, you know, throw a bunch of darts at the board and see what sticks. Their so. depth is not as good as last year. It, it's it's just not. Like the, No. They, they the, went the from top a, six is better, but oh, after that, it's a it's Exactly. A the top six is much better, though. Yeah. Look, when they made that holiday trade, it's like, okay, Brogdon was the easy guy out with. Yeah. He's, he's better than Brogdon. And. I was definitely a fan, but he also keeps getting hurt. And right, and the, he, and he was probably disgruntled. He probably wanted to leave anyway yeah. after being in trade talks, and so that was easy. Uh, the, the hard part was giving up Rob, because right. because say what you want about his offense, defensively he's a game changer. He but is, like you yeah. said, he took a step back last year, and I think that I think the system matters because if if let's say you were Ime, we're still here with how mm-hmm. with what they were defensively then i would be it'd be harder to give up rob in my opinion but with missoula under you know as their head coach and the system that they're going to run where it's more on the offensive end of the floor that they're going to focus on i just think rob i i've said in this in the past that i think Derek white uh was the guy that benefited the most from the coaching change i think rob williams was the one who neg- was the uh impacted the the worst uh in terms of the coaching change because Mm-hmm. He just has not developed much of an offensive game, as as awesome as he is a defender. It's it's really just catching catching lob lobs and dunks. It's just like not much to yeah, it. Yeah, which not much of a shooter. I love that he's a traditional center. Don't get me wrong, but just right. this offense is. It, I just don't think. Uh, 
I'm just talking myself into it just because he got he, he got traded <laughs> because maybe they wanted to give uh, up Horford instead of Rob Williams because yeah but I mean Portland Brogdon Horford they're not going to keep either of those guys at least Williams is someone they can try to build around and yeah. see what they have with him and Aiton yeah so and so I'm 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 all for it just because they got Drew Holiday and I've I've said so many times in the past that it'd be nice to get a, a tr- true point guard and not only did they get that but they got a guy who's a winner and is great on the defensive end of the floor because even though look they they're going from the, the year that they had with Udoka to what they have with Missoula it was they were much better defensively than they were last year and i think it went too far in the other direction in terms of what they were as a team last year where they were great offensively but not nearly as good defensively i think there just needs to be a little bit more of a happy medium and i think having Drew Holiday added to their team really really helps that yep i agree i think i think he's the perfect fit here and yeah proven milwaukee boston right milwaukee boston eastern conference finals feels inevitable at this point so just proven winner where he won a championship after Mm -hmm. the bucks traded him uh traded for him after trading freaking loser bledsoe (laughs) (laughs) so i love that trade for milwaukee Uh, when they made it and i love the trade for 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 Boston now. And so, yeah, I'm a huge Drew Holiday fan, even if he's not like, yep. the flashiest player by any means. No, he doesn't need to be. He just needs to be part of the the team, part of the system here. So Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have more to talk about the NBA later this month. Uh, for now, let's jump into baseball. MLB postseason is officially underway. Uh, we've had a couple of games here. So uh, I'll say... Things have not necessarily gone how we expected them to go through the first couple of games. But I think before we get into that, let's talk about our teams who are not in the playoffs. I don't know that it's a huge surprise to either of us. <laughs> this um, is basically just the baseball version of what it was in the first half hour. <laughs> yeah, right. We just talk but, about our teams just sucking. <laughs> no, and look, I, I think that so the Red Sox were probably, you know, slightly below expectations. The Pirates are slightly above expectations, um, you know, depending on who well, well, was the, the prognosticator. The, 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 the Red Sox were above expectations for the first half of the season and even July. Yeah, right. But and then, that's when it took a turn is when they did nothing at the deadline. And, and then, yeah, August was pretty there. bad. And yeah. look, the Red Sox were just irrelevant this year. And look, I, I, I love that they kept Cora and got rid of Bloom. I, I just don't right. think Heim Bloom was just the man for the job whatsoever. From day one, I, I've I've never been, I've never I've never liked his philosophy. Yes, it works when you're with Tampa. It doesn't work when you're with Boston. <laughs> you uh-huh. don't, like you don't want to be the Tampa Red Sox. Uh, just just with the way he handles things, where he he just focuses way too much on the analytics and is not really a baseball guy. If that makes sense, he's just too much of a nerd. And Cora. I, he's into analytics, but he's he's a true baseball guy, and I think it's he has his it's his team. Even though he's the manager, it's really his team, and he's proven that to have success with the Red Sox in his first year. Yeah, uh, and even some, even some down years, I still think Cora is the right man for the job because if they got rid of him, half the teams would want him. Half the teams would would take him as his man, have him as the manager, and so uh, I love that they kept Cora and got rid of Bloom, but. You know, we'll see what happens from from here to next year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I've 
I'm not fully convinced on Alex Cora at this point. I think like it, that it does feel like a habit with Red Sox managers is having a lot of great success and then things start to fizzle out. But I, I, I do agree that if it's one or the other, get rid of Bloom. I, I hate that people are just putting everything on the ownership. Con Bloom is a bad general manager. His you know, first I know move, that he traded Mookie Betts and he became a nothing. World Series champion. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like everything back. is... No, like, everything hasn't worked out. You know, Kyle Schwarber, credit to him, like that trade deadline move worked out pretty well, but every other deadline, like the 2022 deadline to me was an absolute disaster. Just no plan. And instead, all he does is he you know, trades Vazquez, but then he keeps all these other guys just letting them walk in free agency for nothing. And you just end up with this another mediocre team. And I mean, the Red Sox had, they had moments this year. Like they were fun to watch at times, but I'm at the point where I'm just like, so kind of checked out of this team and just, you know, having them being in like this middle ground right now. It's like part of it is being spoiled from all the world series years ago. And it's, it's one, it's one thing to be bad, but it's another thing to be irrelevant. And right. that's what and the that's Red Sox kind of have, where been, he have left become them. now. And yeah, and this year was really disappointing because they so they got off to a really good start. And they did, yeah. Yes, and like Heimblum made this point after the deadline that, oh well, our odds odds aren't great. Then well, what's the point? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, 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 like, what's the point then? If if it's really just based on the computer, why even go out there? Like, uh-huh. what he should have he should have added to the team. Even even if you're not a believer in the team, like if the if the players are, you know, if they're over overperforming expectations, and they can show that they're hey they're in the hunt. they were in the hunt they were legitimately in the hunt yeah no and I know it to do nothing yeah. to do absolutely nothing at the deadline and then it's finished in last place yeah and that's what you get and so uh, he was never ever ever cut out for the job and no and the combination the, with him and Cora was just never going to work. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely glad that Bloom's gone and Cora's here to stay for now. I'm not like, I, yeah, I don't blame right. you Which for I, saying like, Hey, uh, I'm not sold on Cora, but like got to get rid of Bloom. Uh, no matter what, whether if you get rid of one or the other or both, it, he had to go for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it was very reasonable to move on from him. And I'm convinced that the new GM is going to come in and spend money, trade from this prospect hall and, you know, say, say what, what, do what Red you want Sox about, things. Say what so. you want about Dombrowski and just <laughs> just trading the entire farm system away uh-huh. for just all veterans. But he did what Alex Cora would want, saying, like, hey, we need we need another reliable starting pitcher what did Dombrowski do he got Evaldi we need another yep. bat in the lineup what did he get he got Steve Pierce and those were two of the most impactful players in that World Series run yeah no he did a, he did a great job of building a World Series champion and then you know it fizzled out pretty quickly after that yeah but it he fizzled did what out he but he won to do. a World Series right yeah that's that was the goal <laughs> that's, the that's goal. the goal with Dombrowski so um you know we'll see if the Phillies can can get over the hump with him um but yeah, I mean, I think for the Red Sox moving forward, I'd like to see them act like the Red Sox. You know, be a big spending team and just, invest just money yeah, wisely. Don't, don't be the Red Sox in name. Actually, be the Red Sox, and, right? And, and truly uh, spend and 
spend on the right players too. <laughs> yes, right. And I think that's a big thing. No, don't just sign a bunch of like, you know, Tommy John riddled pitchers to $10 million deals and hope that they can at pitch like the guy they were five years ago because that's yeah. that's really what the Red yeah, Sox Co- Corey starting Kluber rotation was. as the opening day guy was uh, <laughs> certainly interesting <laughs> yeah right I know between like Kluber and Paxton and you know hope Chris Sale is you know still the guy that we we signed and won us a World Series five years ago it's just it's a yeah very very frustrating strategy and I'm curious to see where this team goes I don't think Otani's coming to Boston but maybe well, Yoshida a man, a man can, can convince dream, him <laughs> uh-huh there's so, there is zero chance he comes here, but I would like to dream at least. Right, a right, and I'll say you know the Reds have a shot of signing Otani. Pirates are not getting Otani, but I would like to see the Pirates spend some more money. I think you know this season one of my goals for the Pirates. I think it's really in a few steps. It was don't lose a hundred games. That happened, and then it was. Uh, win 70 games that happened and then it was don't lose 90 games that happened and I, I think it's one of those where the Pirates 2023 season is going to be tied to 20 and 8 no matter how you look at it getting off to that great start and just the way that everything ended but you know they brought up some prospects things look good uh, the team went I think 31 and 29 down the stretch which equates to a record that would have been good enough to make the NL playoffs, which is only saying so much. It's you know we'll get to that. Eighty four wins is all it took. That not my uh, my old Major League Baseball playoffs, but uh, I I do hope that you know the Pirates can actually spend some real money, go out and get another starting pitcher to join Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo, and Paul Skeens. Get the number one prospect up in Pittsburgh. So um, and on top of some of the other guys like Henry Davis, O'Neill Cruz will be back. I need Davis to play great. Um, you know figure out what you do with your surplus of middle infielders with guys like Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verpiguero and your Rodriguez, you know, hope he can turn into the catch of the future. I don't know. I'm going into blind faith that Bob Nutting is going to open his wallet and Ben Sherrington is going to spend on the right players. I don't know if I'm totally convinced, but I, I definitely feel optimistic that both the Red Sox and the Pirates are going to do some things this offseason to look like, you know, the Red Sox can be better than we've seen the past couple of years and the Pirates can be better than we've seen and maybe be able to enjoy playoff baseball in October with one of those teams because playoff baseball is so much fun when you have a team in it and it's not the same when you're just oh God, I was looking, bystander. I was, <laughs> like we'll get to it but i was looking at the playoff picture and i was just like this is it oh my god i don't like i don't like i don't <laughs> there are not a lot of teams i'm super excited to watch or see and just uh-huh. i yeah, agree when, when when your teams aren't in it or rivals or just right. teams that you i know would be yankees good. didn't make it either <laughs> uh-huh. it, 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 it looks brutal i saw that playoff picture. Nah, like, this... this is the worst playoff picture i've ever seen and there are 12 teams in it yeah <laughs> so I know, like it used to be eight now it's 12 and it's still bad right you know i think there are some good teams there are some interesting ones in here but it's also like i'm looking at it and i'm just like it's gonna be braves astros again i just you know can't help Uh, that's gonna happen god i hope not too (laughs) i hope not either but it's just like how did houston manage to win i saw that too they were they they had like (laughs) 80 what 80 i i think they ended with 90 wins but still they they ended up with 90 wins yeah yeah right i know and it just feels like they're in prime position right now yeah, um, they, they already get a, a buy, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, we Look, saw they I do, took advantage I don't, of it last I year. I really don't hate the Astros like people, like other people. Do. No, I don't either. That doesn't I mean I want to root for different. them either. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say I thought that Tampa, like going in the series, I had Tampa over Texas, Toronto over Minnesota. Both of those teams lost their first games, so 
not representing the AL East. Uh, the Rays were awful today, losing four to nothing, and their their stadium is so sad. Oh, I'm re- you, the I'm Trump re- is like the uh, worst place to go. See, th- all right, this this is going to surprise you, but uh, of the teams I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for Baltimore. Same. I don't. I like Baltimore. I don't know, just a, yeah. yeah, they had a great season and. It's a likable team, right? A uh, compared, yeah, like, yeah, a com- lot of young talent. Like there's, you know, nobody on the team that I'm not a fan of, and it, they're they've they been got, through they so good, much as fans. Fans, yeah, they do. Uh, the, the, they're the they're excited. Rays have always been a joke when it comes to their fan base. Yeah. Oh, I know. So, it's, I, 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 I don't can't care. Stand them. Yeah, in 08, okay, they beat the Red Sox, but that was a good uh, story. In 08, yeah, when oh they yeah, lo- yeah, they lost to the Phillies in the World Series, but that was a good story. It was their you- first time. Right, just ten years of finishing in last place. Yeah, but right. now, okay, they make the playoffs every year, even with the uh, the payroll. Look, it's it's nice, but at the same time, it's like their fan base blows, and they always just fail anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of tired of that now. Where like I don't really want to work for them, uh, but I think Baltimore. I don't know, just winning that many games after being, n- you know, just not a good team for so long. Even if it's a division, right. oh, I know. <laughs> even division rivals, like I don't hate them. I don't care. No, not at all. It's it's the Yankees and then the Rays and then the Blue Jays and then the Orioles. Right, down and there. I agree with that. It's not even close. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I'm definitely pulling for Baltimore in the American League. Uh, Minnesota, they won a playoff game the first time since 2004. I mean, they're just one of those like, yeah, whatever. Same, I same have... every year. Same thing every day. They yeah. win the Central and then do nothing. Right, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, they're all they could do is win more, one more game against, and then Toronto. lose to the Astros. Which is, yeah, feels inevitable. Um, although they would play, oh no, yeah, they would yeah, play, they would play the Astros. Yeah, so yes, they would play the Astros. So, um, I think one thing I'll say: Major League Baseball had a phenomenal year. Attendance was up for like the highest increase in thirty years. Games were much more watchable. I think probably better for TV. Not as fun at the ballpark, but I think overall but it's going to be good. And I'm excited to see playoff games not be four hours long. See, in see, I, I'm looking to f- forward to seeing what the playoff. Uh, what, what the playoffs look like because mm-hmm. October baseball is definitely it's a it's a major jump from the regular season. Oh but yeah! But now you're gonna have but now you pe- more and more people are gonna notice the changes in the game. But I don't know how massive a difference it'll make just because the teams are so like not interesting with no Red Sox, no Yankees, no Cubs, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you get the Braves and the Dodgers, Dodgers in the yeah, National like, League, is, the Phillies. Like, yeah. I, I think so. There are some I think the good, National League has teams. more interest. Yeah, American League, it's the Astros, and then like <laughs> just a bunch of but no, I, I want teams. I want to see how quickly games go by. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to not have to stay up till midnight to watch the World games. Series. Uh, I'm good with that. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm interested to see it because this season uh, you hear all the great changes that baseball's made, and there's more mm-hmm. interest. But because my Acuna. team or our team, yeah, I know it, it which takes, is no, takes so not it. interesting, it I barely uh, noticed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I get it. I, uh, I I definitely watched a lot more baseball than in recent years because games were so easy to watch and they were over by like you know nine o'clock every night, which is great. Uh, but I mean it is it's not the it same. It doesn't when help you don't when you're te- the same when your team like, yeah. is uh-huh. is not showing is not putting out the best product though. No, no, I totally agree with that. And I, I say, I think it's really cool that Acuna had 40, 70, just Se- 70 steals. When I saw 70 that, steals, that's yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, I, with 40 home there runs. Needs to right? be more I love that steals are back. I know. We finally got them back. So I, that's I, cool. I loved the era of like 
just just for one example, like Jacoby Ellsbury when he was stealing fifty right. bases a year, but with along with other guys that could steal fifty or sixty bags a year, and then mm-hmm. uh, take out this year, it's just been guy. It, it's been the, stealing bases has been less and less part of the game before this season. It's just like that used to be a really exciting part of the game when there'd be more mm-hmm. of that and. It looks like there was more of that with that forty seventy is absurd. So yeah, oh I know, and I think the crazy thing is he had a forty seventy season. He's he should win MVP, but he's not even a slam dunk because Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Matt Olson all had MVP caliber seasons in their own right. So I, I, I think Braves Dodgers and NLCS. Like, no, no offense to those uh, other guys. I think it's no. A lock. I agree. I do think it is uh, just because of that his, historic number. But it is one of those things. Like those guys are going to get votes, and it's going to be an interesting race still. Braves Dodgers last year, both those teams disappointed, losing in the NLDS to division rivals, but. It's one of those where if they play again in the NLCS, it's like, all right, you know, it's kind of a somewhat boring matchup with two teams who recently won the World Series, but at the same time, it's be exciting in terms of how the teams play out. And I remember they had that seven-game series in the, the COVID bubble in 2020. That was a really fun series to watch. So something we could get. I don't necessarily want it to happen, but at the same time, it's like, okay, what's my dream matchup? Baltimore-Miami kind of thing? It's like, okay, it's not all that exciting. It's just two teams who have sucked for so long, so... Um, also, another bonus help to my Dolphins being under the most pressure in the AFC Marlins. East, uh, the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, the Marlins make oh my first God. playoff appearance in twenty years in a non-COVID year. So, uh, if, if they if they make the World Series, you might as well lock in the Dolphins making the Super Bowl too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and if the Marlins make the World Series, they're going to win the World Series. That's all they do. They make the playoffs and win the World Series, or they don't make the playoffs at all. So. They got that uh, streak going for them. So they so they made they won in ninety seven and 03, and they haven't made the play- they haven't made the playoffs since then. No, oh my god, no wow. twenty twenty was the only You're year, really yeah, won- oh which was god. a sixty game season. <laughs> it is insane. That is yeah. that is crazy. Uh, so yeah, and uh, Arizona and Milwaukee are playing right now. So I guess like my going into this, my predictions were um, for at least the wild card round were Tampa, Toronto, Milwaukee, my, uh, Philadelphia. Um, Diamondbacks scored early on Cor- Cor- Corbin Burns, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball. That one's three three right now. So um, we'll see. I could end up going zero for four. Uh, Marlins <laughs> Phillies just got underway, <laughs> but uh, I want to throw something out there just to you know play along and have some rooting interest in this. Yeah, so. mine were Toronto, Texas, um, F- Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. All right, cool. So. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing with the Rangers was I just didn't think that their pitching staff was all that great, and they kind of crumbled down the stretch. They did but crumble then, down of the course, stretch. They shut out I thought Tampa they were going to have the best record one. in the league after the first yeah, half of the year. Yeah, it's amazing just how everything fell apart. They were So this is a Twitter account called, um, it's like unfortunate Im- ba- images, images that precede unfortunate events. Right. There's a lot of Rangers like screenshots just with, you know, the way their fans were talking earlier in the year and then just seeing the Astros and the Mariners at times catch up to them. Uh, they just barely snuck into the playoffs. So, uh, but I mean, that was one where like, I didn't, I totally forgot they hired Bruce Bochy as their manager. Otherwise I might've predicted them to make the playoffs and I just did not give them a shot. So, which I guess it's a good time to throw out. I had San Diego, Seattle in the world series. So that, <laughs> totally blew up in my face I, mean, I took two teams that didn't make the playoffs either so who did you have san diego it- new york 
Okay, it was Yankees. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't remember who you had in the American League. So, yeah, we're uh, not great at predicting baseball. <laughs> God no. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm I'm gonna try to tune in. I think you know, especially seeing how the games go if they they get by sooner, it gives me an excuse to watch sports in the middle of the day these next couple of days, and you know, really throughout the playoffs, I think it's a cool thing. Is even like the league championship series, you have games with first pitches at like four thirty. No October so. baseball is definitely a huge jump from regular season and mm-hmm. combining that with the the new changes in the game I'm I'm curious how much I will watch or how much interest I will have in the games. Yeah, I mean it helps in the middle of the week, I think. I hope know. I hope we get two teams in the World Series, I mean. I, I I hope we get two teams that I don't know, that I would care to watch. Like I don't want it to be yeah. like No, I I agree with I don't that. want to be like Rays Marlins or something like that. Or I I, I <laughs> want Battle of Florida. Yeah, just I, I, I give me Baltimore and uh, uh who's like uh, the Dodgers. Or, yeah, Dodgers, or Braves, Braves or yeah. Phillies. One of those right. three. Like that would interest me. Or even yeah, Toronto I mean, any of those... or Texas. Even though I expect both uh, those teams to probably lose early. Uh, yeah, and then Houston. I mean I don't want. Yeah. I don't As want the Astros. To I don't want against. Houston. In I don't it, want. It, least, yeah, again, just, not that I, I don't. Uh, I don't hate them. I just don't want to see the same thing over and over again. Like they, they're making it. Right. No, I, I completely agree that with much that. Anymore. Yeah. So, we'll see. I um, you know, I, I think we're still gonna provide some level of commentary throughout the baseball I'll playoffs. Tr- I'll try. But... I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Football's definitely gonna be the number one through October, and you know, I think next week we got NHL. So. That's underway. I'm excited for hockey season. I'm um, not. <laughs> <laughs> After what yeah, happened guess, last year, I'm not. No. I'm, I'm yeah. Not. No, I, I would say, you know, that, I, I would rather just, miss the playoffs. That's the lowest than point be, for me, and yeah. it's, it's just going to be there for a while. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll say, I mean, my expectations, every year my expectations of the Penguins are either way too low on them or way too high on them. And, um, you know, I'm probably going to get hurt again when they lose to a team like the Rangers or the you know, like the Islanders or the Devils in the playoffs, but um, I don't know. I'm excited about Eric Carlson. That's all I'll say. We'll that, talk that, more that, next week. That is an exciting move, even though he's does nothing defensively and is does everything offensively. It's the best defensive player <laughs> it's like in the, the league. The James according Harden to the of, of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It is. It is funny uh, winning. Def- he he essentially won Defensive Player of the Year award last year <laughs> when he doesn't even do anything defensively. Uh-huh. Oh. So. But, all right. What, no, what, one thing what? we had to mention, okay. though. Um, man, Tim Wakefield. I did. Uh, yeah, I did I, mean to mention him. Yeah, I, I didn't write him I, down. I, but, I, yeah, that's that's fair. That was hearing that was was heartbreaking. And right. Uh, I can't think of many, if any, athletes of all like the teams I root for, the Boston teams, of course, or just even just players in general. I can't think of any play many players if any that uh that were easier to root for than tim wakefield right and, oh i know he's universally beloved yeah and not just on the field but just hearing stories of wh- what he was like in the community off the field is is pretty cool mm-hmm. as well and i don't know i i after hearing that hearing the news i i couldn't help but look back on past highlights of the red sox like even the bad ones like losing the game seven versus new york and, mm-hmm. and him giving it, like no one blamed him for that no even though he oh, gave no. up the home run like no one blamed him for that for, for nope. that what happened in that series but then to come back uh in 04 and come back and beat the yankees and 
and him being handed the like ALCS trophy and hearing hearing mm-hmm. hearing about that and how emotional he got and then winning the World Series of course and and I I love that era like, even if I'm not oh, I, I, I I've said this a million times that like I don't have the same love for baseball as I used to but I'll always look fondly of that mid that you know that mid two thousands like or excuse me early two thousands uh Red Sox teams and and yep. he's a huge part of that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, devastating news to hear that, um, you know, he had passed. Like, he's someone I, I just always loved watching him pitch, you know, with that knuckleball. knuckleball. Just, no one could do it Yeah, I, like him. I did not have the strongest arm when I played baseball, and so I wouldn't do this in actual games, but when, you uh-huh. know, warming up, what I would – the person that, that I – uh copied or because you know how you know how kids like they always try to copy players uh, like with batting yeah. stances or like right. tim wakefield was the i would try to yeah trying to throw a knuckle trying ball. to throw a knuckleball and i got better better and better at it not, not that i ever perfected it by any means of course but yeah right like my fastball was slower than his knuckleball so which is in the 60s which is not very fast but um mm-hmm. yeah like trying to trying to throw a knuckleball and yeah definitely definitely great pitcher uh, long time pitcher for the Red Sox, um, yeah, definitely, def- that that definitely hurts. Because even yeah. we've done this with Bill Russell and Jerry Remy, but like Tim Wakefield, we we watched play. Oh, I know com- it's it's very different with guys. like an so, older player or you like, know an we watched this or whatever. As, we watched him and others as a kid. Uh, yeah, right for the Red Sox. So that I don't know. That just makes it hurt even more. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's just, you know, it's one of those those brutal reminders, you know, cancer sucks and it sucks that it's a guy who he was so beneficial with like the Jimmy fund and, you know, doing what he could to, you know, help fight that disease. And then he just ends up being a victim. He was a it. player and and even broadcaster, too. So like he was still part of the Red Sox community yep. even after uh, he retired. Yeah. So, yeah. I know. He's de- definitely a big loss to Red Sox Nation. Yeah. So that I don't know. Just. That one hurt more than a typical loss. I don't know. For mm-hmm. me personally, at least. Like, even if, yeah, even no, if you I get it. Him, he, you just feel like right. you did. Yeah, I mean, he pitched for the Red Sox for 17 yeah. years. So, you know, just like a longtime member of the team. So, um, definitely saw him pitch in person on numerous occasions and, you know, can remember vividly a lot of the, the games I went to. And, you know, some of them he pitched really well, others not as great. And, you know, I, I got to see Doug Mirabelli hit a three-run homer in the eighth inning one time <laughs> to give the Red Sox a win. That was really cool. Another great memory, even though it's not Tim Wakefield, is that, <laughs> that police escort, yeah, Doug Mirabelli, right. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, his catcher. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, literally a police escort yeah, to get for into Doug the Mirabelli. <laughs> I love yep. that. Uh, uh-huh. And then, even though Veritech wasn't his catcher, hearing hearing his, like his thoughts on it, because he was a long-time, long-time friend of his, being a yep. player, but also coach uh yeah was was also hard to watch or hear so Mm -hmm. i don't know just had to mention it and definitely want to yeah no it it definitely a slip on my mind that we almost forgot it so i'm glad that you brought it up there yeah so definitely one of my favorites so that yeah that one hurts yep for sure so it'll definitely be missed uh, among red Sox nation and you know hopefully next season's team can do a lot to dedicate him and you know both uh you know pregame ceremony and actual play on the field so absolutely all right so i think that one will wrap this up so going forward 
football, hockey, basketball, baseball. I mean, I, I think October is the best sports month because you get all four of those playoff baseball, I, you know, the NFL being part of it. I'm I'm sticking with April, but I can't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think football to me is the tiebreaker there, but I, I get it. True, I mean, for true. me, Mar- March slash April well, I mean, and October, uh, the draft, those are the big three. The, the, the yeah, no, draft. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> there is some football that goes on, but it's not real football. So yeah. right, maybe you're right that it's October. Just thinking about it. Yeah, more. I mean, March Madness is awesome. So I know I, I get for it. For someone I mean, that's not like, for someone that's not a big college sports guy, uh, uh, college basketball that was just it, the tournament is just awesome. Um, yeah, so. yeah, and, and then it comes down to you know playoff baseball versus playoff basketball and playoff hockey. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of factors. There are a few really good sports months yeah. in October. April happens to be one of them. April, June, and October, right? Those are probably the- in March. Because oh. March Madness is March. <laughs> I guess I combined it with with uh, uh-huh. the end of the of the tournament. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean I I think that's relatively fair. So, um, yeah. There's definitely a lot of a lot of a lot of good sports stuff throughout the year, and I, I think that you know these next few months we'll have plenty to talk about in the sports world on this podcast. So, all right, so that'll do it for my co-host Brian Wells. I'm Courtney Votney. Thanks, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,